on this week's episode. It's some of the big topics that hit us hard this year. Josh Peterson shares his best of lists in TV, movies, and video games, and some of the big interviews and moments for Pop Culture Cosmos in 2020. All this and more as we reach a happy new year in our next stop, the PC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Happy New Year, and thanks for joining us right here at the PCC Multiverse. It's Jerome Glassford coming right back at you here. Today's show, we've got something special for you as we got some of the most important news items for pop culture, brightest moments, and cool interviews on the front half of the program. And on the back half of the show, Josh Peterson is here sharing his list for the best in his world in pop culture for 2020. So without further ado, I want to start with the Jockaneur podcast's own Imran Javid and his thoughts on the impending streaming wars as we entered 2020. It's 2020. It's right upon us, and we need to look ahead in the world of pop culture. And here to talk with me about what he hopes, and also hopefully what I hope as well for the future of pop culture, is a good man indeed. He is one of the most knowledgeable persons out there when it comes to pop culture. He's a pop culture icon. Okay. I like that. I like the pop culture icon. How Wait, there's somebody else on the show? Who's this person? You know, you got to catch his awesome show, the Jock and Nerd Podcast. It's all over social media. It's all over as far as where you get your podcast. It's an excellent show. It's full of laughter, fun, pop culture, sports talk, whatever you want to deal with. It's right there for you. It is definitely great to have him on the show. Finally, it's the long overdue. It is Imran Javed. And Imran, I'm just so happy and just ecstatic that you're finally on the program. Dude, I'm glad we can finally connect. Like, I hear you on Voice from the Underground all the time. I see you in all the Facebook groups. Jason Dutch always speaks highly of you. And that was a crazy intro. Thank you. I thought you were talking about another person you had on the show. But that's me. Hi, guys. What's exactly. up? Exactly. Well, you know, I've listened to your show many times and your knowledge of pop culture, you know, it surpasses mine. But I know I get talked about as you know, the guy, oh, it's the pop culture guy. That's the pop culture guy. You know, if I'm the pop culture guy, you, we got to call you the pop culture guru. How about that? Like this is what happens when you have a sad childhood that's shaped by television and comic books. Exactly. Uh, you, you just I have my brain is full of useless knowledge and with someday a, it'll pay off. But someday and someday it did with. And I'll tell you what, it, with a side dish of the arcade for me as well. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Very important place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I miss arcades. But yeah. yeah, they don't really, uh, they don't have many of those left anymore. Gone the way of uh, blockbusters and uh, drive-in movies. It's kind of sad. Exactly. But it's just so hard to keep them, you know, the, to afford space and to afford what they do. Now you got to throw a gimmick in there. Like it's got to be a bar or it's got to be, it's got something else got to be attached to it for an arcade. Dave and Buster's is great, but this game, you're going to charge me $5 for a video game. Get out of here. I, exactly. not, I'm not playing this. Yeah. Give me the quarter, the quarter games and the nickel games again. I'm going to line them up right there. Yeah. Right there along there. Yeah, exactly. I got next. I got next. 
But it is indeed so great to talk to you here about the future of pop culture. And, you know, I said before the program, we're just going to be a free-flowing conversation about where you want to take it because the decades, it, it's just starting. It's fresh. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, where you want to go first in the decade ahead as far as what you hope for in the realm of pop culture. Yeah, I jotted down a couple of things, a couple of fun things that I find fascinating, very interesting. And yeah, we had a crazy decade. Like this is, we are at peak geek culture, possibly the bubble on the verge of bursting. Is it getting thin? Are the edges getting thin? I don't know. I think I don't think so. This past decade, something that's fascinated me that I think will continue is the streaming wars that has broken out and the way how people watch TV programming is just completely changed drastically. You know, Netflix goes from being the Hollywood disruptor to now being threatened and disrupted all in a decade. It's a crazy switcheroo. And I think we are right in the middle. You know, this year we had Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus release, two, two huge ones, obviously two of the biggest generating billion dollar, trillion dollar companies ever. But there's more coming. There's Peacock, which is probably the worst named out of all these NBC. That's why one of the uh, programs in the tiers is actually going to be free because they're really going to be trying to be desperate to get you involved in it. <laughs> See, I mean, the jokes write themselves right there, people. Come on. So the names haven't been getting better, but I think what's going to happen, and I've been predicting this, is that this thing goes completely circular, as many trends do, and streaming TV becomes like cable bundled packaging again. And we're right back to the beginning. We're like, okay, if I pay for this, I get all these things. I got to pay for this. I will get all these things. Because you right now, you can't single subscribe to all these things. It costs just as much, as, if not more, than standard cable as it is. Next up, the major story of the year was the coronavirus. And how by March, it adversely affected every avenue of our lives. And as Josh Peterson and I reported, that included pop culture as well. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend who's here with me again and who's still going strong. And I'm so thankful for that. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Plus also his great show, Topicocalypse. And of course, his book, now that a lot of people should have a little bit more time on their hands, please order his great book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up? What's up? I forget. I don't have to actually lean towards my monitor because I have my microphone here. Hoping everybody is well. Please stay safe and please stay healthy. But the coronavirus is the major talk of the day. And we're going to talk about that at the front of the show. So there's all this stuff going on with concerns the coronavirus and pop culture. So we'll give you a little bit of update on that. But Josh, it is the coronavirus, man. As you and I have both have seen, over the past 24, 48 hours, it has completely enveloped this country. And over the past weeks, it's enveloped the entire world as far as taking over every aspect of our lives. That has actually progressed into our area of expertise right here, and that's pop culture, because we're seeing so many different places, so many different events, so many different facets of the things that we were looking forward to in pop culture now get either canceled delayed or outright just moved off the schedule entirely. And that to me is very sad. And that to me is very disappointing as someone who loves pop culture. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing all these things popping up today in my newsfeed. Like it was surprising, you know, yesterday, obviously they declared it as an epidemic and it 
is kind a, of going, a pandemic. A pandemic. Pandemic. Sorry, and it's kind of going in the opposite direction of what people thought it would. People thought by now that the you know that curve would be going down, but now it seems to just be getting worse. It was not surprising, I guess, to hear about like sports cancellations, but the movie ones really kind of hit a little harder because those that you know that really hits home for a lot of people. Like where if if big companies like Disney are canceling releases, then you know that there's something to be worried about. And like I was talking to Brian Wegner today, and he was saying. He kept on telling his wife because his wife is from China and she's facing the, that racial tension from people over this whole virus. But he was saying, you know, as long as Disneyland is still open, we'll be fine. And then lo and behold, today they closed down Disneyland. So there is a lot going on here. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, movies, Disneyland, theme parks, Universal Studios closing down. It's it's getting it's crazy, man. I'm like, I'm wondering when this is going to end. They've also talked about closing Disney World. As far as major movies, Mulan is now up, up in the air. That was coming out in a couple of weeks. A Quiet Place Part 2, which was coming out next week, that has been delayed. Fast and Furious 9 has been delayed. Those are just some of the major movies that are out there that yeah. have been delayed or canceled at this point in time. And New Mutants, too. Like That was one that I. it's just been hit you know, with thing after thing after yeah. thing after thing. That one's going to probably set up to fail because, like you said, that one had so many delays, reshoots, everything of that nature. Plus, you've got Broadway that is closed entirely. It's dark right now for one of the few times ever in history. The NBA, the NHL, professional golf. There's so many different aspects as far as sports that have also decided to suspend all games at this point in time. Major League Baseball has suspended its spring training. They've delayed the start of their regular season. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Conventions, our appearance at WonderCon, at your neck of the woods, that was shut down. E3 said this week it's canceled. CinemaCon here in Las Vegas is canceled. The NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, that's been canceled. Music festivals all over the country, they've been canceled. Pro wrestling events, they've been canceled or modified and put into smaller studio locations without an audience. WrestleMania is at this point in time, as we're recording, still very much up in the air. I'm thinking it's not going to be able to get through. But again, that there's been no official announcement as of yet, because right now there's state governors and mayors letting people know there's not going to be events being held where there's large gatherings of people. They just will not allow it. This, this disease that's going on and spreading so quick like wildfire it's just not allowing people to go ahead and do what they normally need to get done. So have you been reading about the XFL? Yes, the XFL, Vince McMahon actually suspended all games for that. Did he really? Because last I heard they were playing, but they weren't letting anyone in the audience. So does that was that an update on that? That is an update on that, is that he did suspend operations for the XFL uh, at this point in time. It is He was... You know, that's that's the thing. You, these leagues are deciding to whether or not they should go ahead and play in front of an empty audience or they should go ahead and just suspend all right. The NBA, I think, was the deciding factor for a lot of these leagues because Rudy Gobert contracted the coronavirus after he was mocking it on Monday. By Wednesday, he was sick in his hotel room testing positive for the coronavirus, which set off a chain of events his teammate that he is very close to, Donovan Mitchell, he also tested positive the next day for coronavirus. 
And that, again, set off the chain of events where Commissioner Adam Silver had to go ahead and just outright suspend the season at this point in time. So I think that showed to the NHL, Major League Baseball, and all these others, the XFL even, and to all these other outlets that are out there that, you know, it's just not worth the public health interest out there to go ahead and conduct these events because you don't want to be that one event that goes and sets off a chain reaction of devastating proportions. One of our more popular interviews worldwide, and a big shout out to listeners in Belarus who made this episode number one in their country, was with special effects legend Kevin Pike. When you watch movies, as we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, there's just so many things that we go ahead and appreciate as far as the movies that are out there. And so many of them that have been done over the past 40 plus years have really just been so much part of our pop culture and a man who's been part of many of these projects. And as you can see here on Facebook Live on his IMDb page, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, The Last Starfighter, Jaws, even from the very beginning he was part of, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, so many others. Like I said, over 173 credits IMDb has listed. He's been doing so many things out there that's been such a part of our lives, our culture, our history, and so much more. It is my distinct pleasure to have on a great guest today. It is Kevin Pike. And Kevin, I just truly appreciate you being on the show today. And first off, as someone who loves pop culture, I just truly want to thank you for everything that you've contributed to our lives. Thank you very much, Gerald, for having me. I'm happy to be here and and treat the fans with some behind-the-scenes knowledge. Everybody's excited about Jaws. I was fortunate to be involved in it when I was 22 years old, and it launched a career that I never expected. And after 45 years, uh, I look back and I see a lot of gems in the crown, and I'm very happy to have been a contributor. I know the fans really like the movies. From a person who has been either part of the special effects team been a consultant or on many, 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 many films, been the special effects supervisor. Uh, your list and career is just truly one of the most outstanding in Hollywood. And as someone who actually worked for a couple different special effects companies way back in the day, Boss Film Studios and Pacific Data Images, as a small, tiny, tiny role in there, I saw the effort that went into it each and every day the hours that every single person at these special effects companies that they put in, the work that they do, and the things that they commit to. And like you said before, the things that you've been part of, you know, can you just at this point in time just sit back and just truly appreciate everything that you've done for the movie industry? I take a moment every now and then to look at some of the pictures, some of uh, the posters, um, the awards from time to time, and a lot of things didn't always go as well as you'd like because it's special effects, but I'm very happy when I take a look at the body of work. I know that the fans like it. They always have questions about one film or the other, and I'm happy to answer them. Hard work pays off. It does indeed, and again, you've done such great work over the years, and I, I know you get hit upon by numerous fans out there, numerous people and individuals such as myself that want to say, you know what, I love your work in this movie. I love your work in this television show. I love your work in this movie. And I know that you get hit up with all the same requests for a, a great majority of your work. I mean, many of the work was just recently highlighted in our top 100 films of all time on many of the movies that you were a part of. 
I want to ask you this. Is there one movie that you think deserves more love? I've got one in mind from your list I want to talk to you about more. But, you know, with all the great films that you've been a part of, is there one that you think deserves a little bit more love than what it gets? There are three that I feel are really gems that I don't always get questions on, but I really love the way the movie came out or some lesson I learned or just the thrill of working with that director. The first one is Last Starfighter, and that's because it happened to be the first big show that I landed, and it was Baptism by Fire. I wasn't necessarily over my head, but I was scrambling every day to get the gags the way they wanted them. I learned a lot. Um, It came out well. They're coming out with a 4K, and they've just granted me a commentary track on it, so I hope you all look forward to that. The other one that I'm really fond of is Tim Burton's movie called Ed Wood. It was so soft-spoken, but it was it was black and white. It was a historical biopic with Larry and Scott Alexander writing the story about the best parts of his life. It was a really interesting character. I loved the script. I loved trying to achieve everything that Tim wanted. You got to kind of discern what he's going for and where he's looking uh, uh, and guess ahead of him. Uh, Johnny was fabulous. It was fun to do uh, the history on the way old pyrotechnics were done when he made his silly B movies. But it's a wonderfully crafted movie. Um, just, you know, Martin Landau's performance as Bella. Uh, I had fun on it. It was always interesting. And I'm very proud the way it came out. I think that Tim did a great job on it and it tells a wonderful story. The third one that I always enjoy talking about, and I can because I worked on it, is Fight Club and working for David Fincher. What a tough nut to crack. He knows everything about everything and you better be ready because you're gonna hit the ground running with him. I had the pleasure of working with Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, just wonderful guys. A lot of hard work, a lot of detail in everything that David does. I was pleased that he asked me again after the show to work with him on a a music video by um, a perfect circle called Judith, which was just as difficult as it was when we were working on Fight Club. But those three movies, I don't always get questions about. But if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, oh, you did Last Starfighter? I love that film. Well, I do too. We'll be right back with some console wars and an appearance at IndiePods United. This is the PCC Multiverse. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the PCC Multiverse and one of the great honors I had over the course of the past year was interviewing Jonah Tulis and Blake J. Harris, co-directors and the author of Console Wars, the hit biography turned streaming hit that you can find right now on CBS All Access and soon to be Paramount+. Plus. All right, now we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm so excited because I get to go ahead and relive some of my early adulthood i know when anybody talks to these guys it's like oh yeah i get to relive my childhood i get to relive my childhood but with me it's since i'm old early adulthood but still it was a fun time in the early 90s with the battle going on between nintendo and sega 
and it is all documented and detailed. First off, the amazing book that came out, Console Wars. And if you haven't read the book yet, I highly suggest it. It's Console Wars, Sega, Nintendo, and the Battle that Defined a Generation, written by Blake J. Harris. It's available today on various formats, including Amazon that you're seeing right there on Facebook Live also as well. It's available at Barnes & Noble. You can get it today. It's really a great read. The forewords there by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. And you know what? They liked it so much, they helped these guys out as far as making a documentary that's now available on CBS All Access. And I highly, highly suggest that you go ahead and check it out today. I saw it last week. Marcus De La Garza saw it last week. We were both extremely impressed with it. I highly recommend it. It is Console Wars on CBS All Access. And I have the directors and also the author of Console Wars. That's Blake Harris. And, of course, his fellow director on the project, Jonah Tulis. And, guys, it's great to have you on the program. Thank you for having having us. Well, thank you so much. Blake, uh, I want to start with you because obviously this emanates from the outstanding book and the, the reception that it got over the years. I told you before we went on the program that one of my other co-hosts, Josh Peterson, who does the Monday show with me, he turned me on to this book. He loved the Genesis. He loves that era of time, that console generation. And he said, check out this book. And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I'll tell you what, it was definitely worth the read. Obviously put great detail in the whole background, the backstory of it. Tell me exactly the response to it, how it was so great, and then just approach with Jonah and go ahead and create this awesome documentary. Yeah, so uh, it was life-changing for me and for us. And actually, you know, the story begins back in 2011. Jonah and I, even back then, we had been writing partners and producing partners, and Jonah had directed. And, and so we started talking about this story. And so even at the earliest stage, when I was thinking about doing a book, telling that to Jonah, telling him I thought there might be a good scripted story here, like The Social Network, and he suggested doing a documentary. So it's actually something that had been on our radar that we were actively working on off and on for the past eight years. So, you know, it was a very, it was a parallel concurrent process with the research for the book. Uh, you know, obviously I was speaking with these people and getting to spend time with them when we started filming in 2013 was very helpful to me writing the book. But, you know, this, this documentary is something that has been in the hopper that we've been working on for a long time. So it feels so good to finally get it out there because it's just this incredible business story, this incredible human story that we always feel really fortunate to tell. And obviously like you're, you're, co-host point you know it touched a lot of people and and also to your point like let's face it early adulthood is better than childhood so like that's that's better to have the memories of the genesis tied to those those better years um well like i said for me i I experienced it i got had both i was right in the middle of the war and obviously as a young adult at that time i i had a little bit better perspective out but i don't have as much of the nostalgic factors, like, wow, I opened up one for Christmas. Like, I'm sure you guys hear the stories as far as that's concerned. Mine was the Atari 2600 and Pong as far as me. Ah, wow, wow, wow. By then, I was like, okay, these are the latest systems. They're both (laughs) working against each other. You know, I didn't have to go ahead and take a side. I wanted to go ahead and get both. But, you, you know, I mean, it just really the response during that time and you saw and you guys outlined the great battle between those two jonah i want to ask you this when you go ahead and you mapped everything out with blake from book to documentary 
How did you go ahead and storyboard? Because obviously you can't put everything that was detailed in that book within the framework of what was it, 90 minutes? Uh, 90 you know? minutes, yeah. Yeah, so you can't frame everything in it, but you have to give a nice outline so you can have the audience recognize, hey, this is something that was very important to pop culture. Well, the first thing we did, you know, sort of Blake, when we first started this project, Blake, you know, had started reaching out to a couple people and more people and more people and eventually interviewed over 200 people. And through those interviews, we kind of figured out who are the sort of dozen or so key players who could tell the story best, who are going to be the most dynamic, and of course, the people who were in the most powerful positions at the time. So once we kind of isolated those people and we're like, these are the people we feel like should tell the story. And again, we ended up having to cut some because there was there was even too many. We wanted to make sure every single character kind of really had a place in this. And it wasn't just like a one-off line. And, you know, we didn't have a narrator. These were the characters telling their own story. No outsiders or no experts. And I think we just, we went deep in the characters and we kind of figured out, okay, what are the key points that we want to get across and what are the things because certain things represent other things you know there's the launch of sonic 2 is representative of a lot of the kind of launch we were doing if we did too many of those we would have lost some of the heart of a, a movie because you know that would take six or eight or ten or twelve hours if we you know you know hit rock the rock and yeah. sega's groundhog day so we really had to you know pare it down as best we could and sort of make sure that we focused on the core fight between Sega and Nintendo, and then, of course, Sega versus Sega of Japan. Don't forget, we had an appearance as one of the opening acts for the widely acclaimed and populated virtual convention, Indie Pods United. It is the Pop Culture Cosmos live from Indie Pods United. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening and watching us worldwide, all over Twitch, YouTube, Facebook Live, wherever you can get us. Thank you so much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos live at Indie Pods United. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening and watching once again. And a special thank you so much to Tina, Rob, Sean, Jeff, the whole crew at Indie Pods United. We want to give a big thank you for setting this all up and making all the dreams come true for all these podcasts. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend, he is the man behind Castle Creative. That's Castle with a K, Creative with a K. You can find him on the social media outlets out there on Twitter and Instagram at CastleFPV. It is my good friend indeed. It is Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, welcome to Indie Pods United. Thank you to Indie Pods United for having us. This is uh, just a really fun experience to be able to do this on a Sunday and put together this kind of this live show and show people how we run behind the scenes. I'm really excited for this. What about you, Gerald? I am super pumped. I'm super hyped. The only thing people were waiting out there in a pandemic for, they were lined up for days at GameStops, Best Buys, Walmarts, what have you. It was the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, my friend. And I want to ask you this. First up, I don't know. We've talked about this already week in, week out, but it's still out there. It's, it's, again, it's the major product out there, the major consumer product that everyone wants, the major consumer product that everyone thinks that they need. This is the man. I know you're still looking for a PlayStation 5 yourself. I am. I, I hope am. you don't, don't go knock anybody over, man, for it. Just get a legitimate. But my friend, I wanted to ask you this. With PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X in such great demand, 
How shocking is that in the middle of a pandemic, the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, people will wait up for days in line for these products. I mean, to me, it's not shocking at all. What we are seeing here is the latest refresh on all these consoles, and it's it's really needed. Some people might beg to differ, but I think it was needed, and I was looking forward to grabbing a PS5. You know, we've talked about on the show previously that my strategy for PS4, PS3, even the PS2 to a certain extent was just walk in the store, you know, the day of. Don't don't pre-order anything. Just walk in the store the day of and uh, be able to get a unit. Good luck on that one. Yeah, uh, I paid the price for that this year, and I, I, I'm, you know, forever maybe changing my strategy. I do want to say that strategy went back to like the N64, man. Like three days later after the N64 release, you know, when stock was short, then walked into a Walmart and found one. It, it happened to be in the middle of nowhere, Texas, but you know, still found one at a Walmart. So, you know, that strategy didn't work out for me. I actually traveled for Thanksgiving. I was able to drive up to see my mom, and you know, we stopped a couple places along the way. Really couldn't find one. It's it's insane. But I do want to say, you know, people really need to keep their eye out for Amazon, Walmart, Target, and Best Buy. If you sign up for an online account, they are tweeting in a lot of cases when they're going to be restocking and when you can be buying consoles online. So even if you're looking for Xbox Series S or X, you know, unlike me, I'm, I'm looking for that PS5. You can find stock out there, but it's going to be very, very, very limited. And you've got to be on the ball. It almost has to be your full-time job, it feels like. Don't you think, Gerald? It is. It is indeed, my friend. I'll tell you what, a lot of people are really getting up in arms over because the lack of availability of the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series S and X. There are a lot of angry feelings out there because the as as Josh who had to pay extra for it, go through eBay and did the whole nineers. He had to pay to get above market cost to get his Xbox Series X. I think he got. It's just. I'm just not willing to do that though. Yeah, you know? I, and, <laughs> and I'm not willing to do it either. You know, and there are reasons why, and I'm going to go into that here in a sec. But I wanted to ask you this. I mean, with all the stuff going on in regards to COVID and and the next generation of consoles being here and and the fight for it. It's a shame that all these retail bots are out there still snapping up all these PlayStation 5s, all these Xbox series, and I can't be too hypocritical because I've done that myself, or at least tried to, and I, I didn't come, as I've said on the show already. I mean, they're selling it at three, four times the rate, $1,000, $1,500. They're still trying to get away with selling that. It's, I know, infuriating to a lot of people out there because the availability is really just not there for anyone that wants to buy a next generation console right now. Coming up next, it's Josh once again sounding off on his list for the best in TV, film, and video games for 2020, right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back for the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And before we leave 2020 entirely, my good friend, my co-host in crime when it comes to the pop culture cosmos, Josh Peterson, wanted to leave a little bit more definitive lists in some of the great areas in pop culture that he has in mind for 2020. So before we leave 2020 fully behind, he's here once again. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. And Josh, welcome to the show, my friend. Sounds weird having you on as a guest. 
I know what's going on here. It's uh, it's alternate universe, alternate timeline. We are in the multiverse right now. Got the Doctor Strange stuff going on here. Be that as it may, I know you've got a list of things that you want to cover, including television, movie, and also as well video games, which I know you are very much an aficionado of. So when it comes down to it. We haven't spoken much about video games for 2020 and the best of. So first off, your thoughts on the best video games that you played in 2020. All right. So it's it's been weird because 2020 has had a lot of like pockets of gaming. You know, it's not necessarily like steady releases like years past have had. It's been like certain pockets. You have a certain date and then around that date you'll have four or five games come out so it's been a really weird year it's been hard for me to keep up with a lot of the things coming out there's a lot like that i did buy but i haven't had a chance to play so here's just some of the ones that i did get my hands on and have had a chance to, to spend you know more than an hour with so i got a number five here this is yazzy so this is a game by our friends over at mega cat studios and they do reproductions of old cartridge games they do arcade games they also have these games where that you can buy them on um you know modern consoles as well but yazzie is it's kind of think about it like you mixed dig dug with donkey kong with bubble bobble right it's a platforming game you have to climb these ladders you have to figure out how to get into certain places you know you got little enemy types on the map that you have to avoid it's a game that is it can go on for a really long time. I think I, I played up to like the 30th level on there and each level does get a little more challenging because you have to figure out how to get to certain places, how to, I guess, dig your way out of certain scenarios. So this one was really fun. I didn't get to the end of it. I did spend about four hours playing it. Really enjoyed it. I think Mega Cat Studios does a great job at bringing these retro style games back to the forefront they have another one called bite the bullet that i've been wanting to play just haven't had a chance to sit down with it yet and i do want to get a review for yazzy out there soon all right so i got it number four did you ever did you get a chance do you remember back at it was during one of the nintendo indie directs they had a game called a short hike yeah i didn't play it but yeah i heard of it yeah Okay, so they have. I got a chance to sit down with this game. It was like seven bucks on the the Switch Marketplace. Really great game. So I just got done playing A Night in the Woods, not related at all, except for the fact that they have humanized animals on it. But it kind of gave me the same feels as A Night in the Woods, like just the way the soundtrack is. You can hear the things going on in the world, whether it's you know the wind blowing or or people playing or the water hit, uh, hitting the sand. So you're on an island. And the whole point of the game is to hike to the top of this peak and you have to get collect what's called golden feathers in order to get there. So in order to get these golden feathers, you have to go around, talk to all the people on the island like they're all camping just like you are. There's people playing on the beach so you can learn how to climb. You can learn how to how to swim. You can learn how to glide like there's a bunch of people who will teach you how to do things. And in return, you get these golden feathers. So you can probably play through the game in about three hours and uh I don't know it's just it's a really calming experience. It's pretty close to actually like being in nature. You know, you put your headphones on and you get the sounds of nature. You get the you know the wind blowing through the trees. You get the water. You get all of it. You get the sound of the creeks and and all that good stuff. And it it was just a really relaxing three hours I spent playing this game. Looking at number three, I did not get a chance to finish Ghost of Tsushima. I know you're a PS4 guy more than an Xbox person. Did you get a chance to? I don't know about that. I'm kind of uh, both. Okay. 
But no, well, I've not played Ghost of Tsushima. Obviously, it's one of the most beautiful games to come out this year. It was in the top five of the game awards as far as one of their best of games. I don't know if top five or top six, whatever. It was a finalist for the game of the year award by the game awards. So it is very highly thought of. I know you at the time when we were speaking about it, you had some glowing things to say about it and how beautiful it is. Obviously the the trailers do it justice because it is just a, uh, such a visually striking game. And I know it comes with a story that's pretty good as well. Yeah, so this is Sucker Punch Studios did a great job with this game. My only regret is that I didn't like I didn't finish it. You know, like I, I had I spent a lot of time in it. I probably spent around maybe twenty to thirty hours in it. Other things had come out that I you know, and then school started, so I had to go back to work. So I don't really get a chance to really fully explore this one. Uh I will at some point go back to it. But it is, yeah, it's a very striking game, very beautiful. It's not as like satisfying, you know, like when you play Elder Scrolls, you go and you discover a new area and you get to like, and then the title appears at the top of the screen of what you found. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of like out of games like that. When you play Ghost of Tsushima, you don't get that. It just kind of like pops up, you know, it goes, okay, and that's cool. It doesn't even like tell you what you found. It just kind of uh, highlights on your map and then you like know the name of it from that point on. So that was you know, the exploration is kind of disappointing in that game. But other than that, like the, it's a really, really solid game. The combat is challenging, but, you know, that's good. You know, you're not just like mashing buttons. You have to do things in a certain order. You have to be very methodic about how you fight these enemy types. And that is kind of what makes that game so enjoyable, but also frustrating at the same time. Mm-hmm. So moving on here, going to number two, uh, I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I was just talking to uh, Brank about this on Super BS. This game is, while it's fun, you know, they're kind of like building on what they've been doing with Origins and Odyssey and all that. I like it, but I don't like it as much as Odyssey. I don't know. There's something about exploring. You know, one, the Viking phase has been kind of in the same vein as like the, the zombies, right? It's kind of being done over and over and over again which is going to be ironic when we get to my TV shows, but it's, I don't know. There's something about exploring England. That's just not as beautiful as Odyssey as exploring Greece, right? With Odyssey, you got all these bright colors, everything popped. You explore these vineyards, you have all this cloth that has these really bright colors and the water, just the way you can like, it's very clear and all that. And you can see the sharks and the fish. Like it was a very, Odyssey is a very beautiful game. Whereas Valhalla is a really dark game. You know, it's, there's something about the combat too. With like Odyssey, I love one-handed combat, right? Where I can have like my sword and something in the other hand. With Valhalla, most of what you do is two-handed weapons, so they take a lot longer to swing. So it doesn't feel as smooth as the combat did in Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess like that, those are my big complaints about. It. I am, you know, enjoying it, but there's just there's not as much substance to it as Odyssey had. So if that if I were to find a complaint about it that'd be it uh but it is you know it is something i have been enjoying spending time in it's a world that i am kind of eager to go back to so i you know as soon as i get to the end of it i'll have more to say on that but right now it is sitting at my number two number one you know it's i gotta say final fantasy 7 remake there's something to be said about a game that can cross generations the way that this one has you know, they took something that was, that was just absolutely breathtaking, something that meant so much to so many people, 
uh, back in the 90s, you know, myself included. And not only did they recreate it and welcome you back to it, but they also, you know, they, they created a new story. They gave you something old, but something new at the same time. And the voice acting is great. The, uh, the gameplay feels really smooth. I don't know. It's just, it was a really enjoyable game for me. It's a really great experience. And, you know, I am eager to go back and play part two and part three or part four, whatever happens next. Did you get a chance to get your hands on the Final Fantasy VII remake? No, no. But, you know, obviously it was also highly considered, high, you know, it was highly thought of one of the also best games lauded for the Game Awards, which you and I went over and I disagreed on as far as Final Fantasy VII Remake because of the fact that I thought that it's a remake and it shouldn't be considered as an original Game of the Year award. Should it be in its own category, which it would have won most likely? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that's that's a very fair point. But you know, like I said on the show earlier, it is it's a remake, but it's also like something new. So I don't. I mean, I don't know where they stand with that, but. It, it is a very beautiful game, so I can see where you know why it's been nominated for so many things. Oh, right. I know you've got the video games down, Pat. So it looks like you had a good year with video games. I know you've got a lot more in store for us when it comes to the best of television that you thought it was out there. I know you and I watched a little bit of television being confined in the house, but I want to hear your thoughts on what your best of television was for 2020. So I spent a lot of 2020 catching up on things that I have not, uh, you know, had a chance to watch a lot of stuff from 2019 and earlier than that. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to finish Mandalorian, so it will not be on this list, but I am really enjoying it thus far. Same thing with the boys. I got a couple episodes I got to finish with that. You know, it's hard to watch that stuff now with like little kids running around. So (laughs) of the things that I have finished, I will say, at my number five spot, I got Castlevania season two or it was season three, I think, is the one that just happened. Great show. Great. I mean, I wish it were longer. You know, it, it opened up a lot of doors in its ending that I was not expecting to open. You know, I like it. I just I hope that it doesn't. I hope that it goes more for storytelling and less for like shock factor, which I, I know that the the producer of that show, Adi Shanker, Ari Shanker, I forget what his name is. I, I know he enjoys that kind of like shock factor the blood and guts like i'm gonna take this and i'm just gonna blow your mind with it like i i appreciate that stuff but i do really enjoy storytelling and i think castlevania kind of blends those elements very well at number four on my list i got umbrella academy season two all right so i this was interesting for me because like i you know i enjoyed the first season a lot but i feel like this season played to a lot of like stereotypes and tropes when it comes to storytelling uh, there, there was a lot more that could have been done with it, but it felt like a lot of it was like more of a rehash of the first season. You know, I, I really like, uh, I guess, Elliot Page is what we're, we're calling him now. I really like that character. I love Vanya. I think the, you know, Elliot Page does a great job of portraying that. I think that there's a lot more that can be done with that story. You know, especially as, you know, if you've read the comic books, like there's a lot more elements to to that character that have not been brought out in the show so i'm hoping that moving forward they'll continue to kind of develop that character and not corner vanya into you know your your stereotypical character tropes for superhero shows 
also high score number uh, is that my number three we've talked about this one a little bit i i have not watched the uh what was it console wars was the one on cbs yeah have not had a chance to watch that one yet high score is really cool i you know it's funny i so we we bought the ultimate legends arcade cabinet and then uh we ended up selling the arcade one up that we bought that had the pac-man and all that on it and the people that came over to buy it they're talking about how you know they're they just became empty nesters and they really are looking to like wanted to buy an arcade because you know that is what they played growing up like that is they have those memories of being in the arcades and like watching high score a kind of it, I, though i wasn't you know i, I was born in 88 i i didn't get to experience like the the beginning of that phase it still made me feel i don't know nostalgic if that makes sense i don't know if you can be nostalgic for something that you weren't alive for but it made me feel nostalgic because you know growing up in the 90s there were remnants of arcades left that you could play at so i don't know high score it, it had a lot of great content there you know the obviously the et stuff has been done in like so many documentaries before it so None of that stuff was really new, but it, it is a really well done series. Going on to number two, this this one's actually still running. Uh, Grand Tour Season 4, this was supposed to be done before the new year, but uh, because of COVID and produ the production schedule and all that, it kind of got delayed a little bit. I don't know, there's something to be said. So this is Grand Tour, the, the former host of Top Gear. You have Jeremy Clarkson and Richard, Richard Hammond and James May. But there's something to be said about like these hosts you know and they're they're well they're i think hammond's in his 50s but clarkson and may like they're going on into their late 60s and uh there's something to be said about people who like can can continually like take a beating while driving these cars and going to these places like their bodies are pro it's taking a toll on their bodies for sure and uh, there's just something to be said about people who are willing to do that for the entertainment value of others. You know, I know it's called money, man. It's I, called money. Seriously. You know, and I know that like jackass obviously like takes that to the extreme, you know, anything well, two of the two stars were hospitalized for jackass in, in doing the latest movie, I think right uh, recently. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's supposed to be like a jackass four or something. Coming. Yeah. And uh, they were both hospitalized already. Yeah. Not surprising. Seriously. Like it's, I, I don't know. Like at some point I know the money's good, but at some point, like when do you just like call it quits? You know, like I love watching shows like the grand tour, but like I hurt for them when I see them, like, you know, have to drive a um, Bentley continental over, you know, through roads that aren't meant to drive Bentleys on, or like when they do these weird things, to their cars, like they put treads on instead of tires and they end up like, crashing a car flipping it over like i just i hurt watching that but it's still like funny to me you know i don't know it's it's a weird thing really well done shows kind of the one time me and my dad really do a lot of bonding is when we watch the show because he really likes it okay number one are we ready for this yeah just to t touch on something high school would be the only one i would have an issue with i thought console wars was better okay uh, but high score uh, i had had issues with because i thought it was a little scattershot uh, from episode to episode going yeah. all oh, over the sure. place yeah. and wasn't uh, truly in depth with some of the subject matter. And plus there was also some subject matter that I thought was important to the video game industry and timeline that didn't get mentioned along the way. So I was kind of disappointed with it overall. And again, if it's supposed to be a timeline of history of video games, then it should have been something that was more straightforward. And it just seemed like very scattershot and, 
Uh, I was kind of disappointed by it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you thought it was uh, really something special. Again, I thought Console Wars was the better of the two. And that just missed my uh, movies list was Console Wars. I was considering putting it on there, but I just didn't have a full 10. Uh, but yeah, for me, it was a very close number six along with Hamilton right behind it as well. But I know there's some movies, speaking of movies, that you want to go ahead and touch on for your best of. So go ahead, my friend. Lay it on me. What are your best of movies for 2020? Okay, let me just do my number one for shows real quick. Ragnarok. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch that one on Netflix yet, but Ragnarok season one is out there. Kind of a modern retelling of the Viking, not Viking, but the Norse mythology story. But uh, instead, these gods are and the frost giants are reincarnated in the bodies of like humans. So oh, that's okay. Yeah, really, really cool show. Uh, season two is supposed to be coming out. I don't know when it's going to happen. I know COVID still got a lot of studios backed up, but definitely check out Ragnarok if you have a, a minute. Jumping over to movies. And also, I totally agree with you about high score. Like I six episodes felt really short and there's a lot more elements. It's kind of they were weird with how they chose the video game elements they wanted to talk about. Like they could have easily gone on to 10 episodes, talked about you know, the fall of Sega and X, the birth of Xbox and stuff like that. There's a lot more that could have been talked about there, but they kind of cut it short. Um, all right. Jumping into movies here. Obviously, like 2019 was a huge, huge year for movies, right? We had the we had Endgame, which was like the biggest event film ever made. Yeah, I mean, there there was a lot that came out in 2019. I'm looking at 2020. Was was the last Star Wars movie? Was that a 2020 film or was that 2019? 2019. Okay. It came out in December. Yeah, I was trying to remember like when that one came out. But okay, so my movies, my number five spot, I got Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. So this is like, I don't know, the end all be all of comic book, the their animated comic book universe. Like this is, you know, you, you see the death of a lot of heroes. You see basically everything that the animated DC universe has been working towards over the past like 10 years come to. It's like their end game pretty much, but for animated uh, has John Constantine's in the lead, and he's played once again by Matt Ryan. A very dark, very gritty movie. Lots of like, don't show your kids it. It is like it is incredibly bloody. There is a lot of f words, a lot of lots and lots of swearing in this movie. So again, like yeah, don't don't show your kids. But if as an adult, if you appreciate comic books and you appreciate you know the animated films that you've seen over the years, definitely check out uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. It's not going to be what you expect it to be, but it's totally worth watching. At number four, did you get a chance to catch the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, Kevin Smith's latest venture? I did, um, but obviously it sounds like you enjoyed it more than I did. Well, here's the thing. like It was okay. You know, It wasn't like my favorite. I, there's parts of it that just felt really stale to me. But I didn't watch a lot of good things that I could put on this list instead. Like Jane Silent Bob is a movie that, much in the vein of like Wonder Woman 1984, I don't regret watching it. But it just it, I guess because of my history with Jane with uh, the Kevin Smith films and how much I admire the guy, I uh, you know it holds a little bit of a higher spot. I don't really have a lot to say about it. If there were like a Clerks three or Mallrats two, yeah, I totally go back and watch those movies. Uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot is kind of a i don't know a love letter to kids who grew up in the 90s so i, I don't know it, it it had a special place in my heart but i mean again yeah it's not if you were like looking for a movie to watch it's not something i would recommend 
unless you're a fan. Number three, I got Onward. I know, I think we differed on our opinions on this movie. Like, you didn't like it as much as I did. Um, no. I mean, I thought Soul was leagues better as a Pixar yeah, film. This yeah. Year. Yeah, I haven't seen Soul yet. But, like, Onward, I don't know. It's just, I, I love fantasy stuff. I love fantasy elements. I just got done reading a book called The Last Smile in Sunder City by Luke Arnold, the guy who played Long John Silver in Black Sails. But... Yeah, he kind of did the same thing that Onward did. It's like what happens when all these like fairy tale creatures go about their lives, right? All the magic is gone. And so what happens when all these creatures have to intermix with each other? Great book, you know, talks deals a lot with like prejudices and stuff like that, but in a fantasy setting. But Onward, I don't know. It 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 was good. I liked it. Like I I would watch it again. Uh, it's something that uh I don't know, made me think about being a kid again and i think that's what made it kind of special to me number two i got sonic the hedgehog I th- we've talked about this one a lot uh it's this is the standard that like video game movies should be held to you know i know that like everyone says resident evil the first one is that standard but i think that sonic the hedgehog was really well done what were your thoughts on it i mean uh the wow when it comes to Sonic the Hedgehog, I mean, obviously, Jim Carrey's performance was over the top without it needed to be. Uh, the actual live animation, as far as the animation going into a live atmosphere, I thought that hybrid of a movie, I thought it, it flowed well. Uh, I do like the fact that they made the changes that they made. And, you know, I know everybody was on the teeth issue and all that, but I thought it was okay. I mean, it's it's very light fare, but uh, I mean, it's acceptable. I, I just didn't think it was something that you could put on a best of list for me because of the fact that I just thought when you're going up against uh, hard dramas and then that comes out, that's kind of campy and it's kind of silly and it's kind of fun. It's kind of popcornish to me, uh, but it is definitely worth another shot if if uh, they're going back to it because obviously the success that it has and you know, it deserves a sequel. So I think it's going to be getting one at some point in time down the road. Yeah. And, and like, I guess like that's where our like taste in movies kind of differ a little bit. It's like, I like popcorn flicks a lot. Like I absolutely, I've said again on the, again and again on the show is that like, I love the mummy films, right? Cause I don't have to think about anything while watching. Well, I like the first one. I thought the first one was really good. Yeah. Yeah. The first one was good. Second one's pretty good. Third one. Eh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it was just it was a fun time. And again, like this is a year when there's not I haven't like watched a lot of new things, like any a lot of things that I would say was like really, really great, you know. Um, so this is like Sonic the Hedgehog. I it's I, I it was worth the twelve dollars I paid to see it. Um, number one, we've talked about a lot. Class Action Park. Uh excellent movie again if you're not a fan of documentaries like this is a gateway documentary right here like it is has has it'll make you laugh it'll make you like cry it'll horrify you but it's very entertaining very well done movie that i just cannot say enough great things about and if i can give an honorable mention real quick to the to the gentleman did you see it no no i heard the bad reviews in advance so i kind of like avoided it i may catch it at some point down the road yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, with the, it's funny how like the critics seem to be like extra hard on everything that Guy Ritchie does, just because like he's a product of his times, you know. In the same way that Martin Scorsese is, it's just that he makes films that he wants to make, and he makes them in the way that he wants to make them. And I think that's the big issue with like Guy Ritchie. Everyone doesn't like Guy Ritchie that much, is because 
you know, they, they think that he's not adapting to the times, whether that's through like social commentary or, or script writing or editing. But I'm, I'm a big fan of Guy Ritchie films. And I think the gentleman, while it's no snatch by any means, is still a pretty, pretty good movie. Well, there you go. That's your list right there for you. I do appreciate you going ahead and, and sharing your thoughts on it. So there's your list right there of movies, television shows, and video games. If you have your best of for 2020, you can always send it to us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. When it comes to Class Action Park, Josh, I hope you get a chance. I know you don't like listening to our shows. I Ironic. <laughs> but I hope you get a chance to listen to Monday's show because Seth has some pointed words for you. Uh, on that show so hopefully you'll get a chance to listen to it in regards to class action park so pointed like bad things or no like very good things okay all right yeah like very good things so he has some very he has a very direct comment just to you on that show so just uh yes hopefully get a chance to listen to it on that so all right everyone hopefully you guys will check this out and especially appreciate Josh, you taking your time to go ahead and be a part of the show today. Very strange, you sitting in the guest corner, but I'm glad that you got a chance to stop by and share your best stuff for 2020. Looking forward to everything that you're bringing to Pop Culture Cosmos in the new year. Looking forward to many, many more shows with us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Josh, Marcus, Snowy, and Fine, TJ Johnson, Jessica Bonks, Jamie Monroy, Ben Arnaud, and everyone who sat in with us in the past year for taking the time to be on our shows. You made a very tough year in 2020 better for us and for our listeners. If you're interested in hearing the long versions of these interviews, you can check them out always on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcasts. And most importantly, Thank you, the audience, who watched our videos, listened to our programs, and heard us on over 30 great radio stations worldwide. And we thank you, radio stations, for always playing the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for everyone who is part of the Pop Culture Cosmos, this is Gerald Glassford. 
It's another beautiful day right here in paradise in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a happy new year.